It is Wednesday, December 6, 2023. This is another Winter Meetings edition of Baseball Today. That is the legendary Jolly Olive filling in for one Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Dual producers, BBD on location, Dan Rourke, wherever the hell he lives in whatever cave he comes out of every day. All right, Jolly, last few hours you will have in Nash Vegas. And let's see those eyes. You still look pretty good. This is the third coffee of the day already. Woo! No, it's not. Third? We had a rush out this morning. We had an early checkout of the Airbnb, so I slugged one back, then went to the Starbucks stand, which closes at 11 for some reason. It doesn't stay open. So I bought two, and I was like, you know what? I'll have two. Okay, good. So you should be feeling fine. That's good because we actually got some news on Tuesday night uh, through this snooze fest. The Yankees and Red Sox actually do a little tango. Alex Verdugo to New York for three-pitcher. Dick Fitz. I mean, who hasn't wanted to say that name? Greg Weissert and Nicholas Judice. So do you think that this is part of New York's big plan, or are they going to move them in a possible Soto deal? Because we know that that one's coming down the road any hour or any day now. What do you think happens? Yeah, I mean, I I think I saw a few people link it to maybe he's getting flipped in the Soto deal too. But I think it's it's a piece that makes sense for the Yankees. It's a piece that makes sense for a lot of teams. We're going to talk about the Boston perspective of the trade after we talk about the Yankees perspective. But Verdugo, uh, he's you know still in his twenties. He's still got great tools, including great arm strength in the ninety fifth percentile, uh, good whiff rate, good strikeout rate. He fits the mold of what the Yankees need in terms of a corner outfielder, athletic guy. I mean. There's a lot to like about the trade. You know, you didn't give up much to get him. I know uh, Dick Fitz, as we like to call him, is probably the most intriguing piece Boston gets back. But Weissert was going to be a taxi squad guy, and I'm not super familiar with the third arm included. So the Yankees aren't giving up much to get Verdugo in this deal in the first place. And he's a guy that's been on the field. They've had a lot of injury troubles the past couple seasons. He's played 140 games the past two seasons at a league average offensive rate. So it's a lot to like. Uh, when the trade did happen, the Yankees fan next to me, Big Baby David, was in utter shock because when the Yankees and Red Sox trade, it's always a big deal. It's something that hasn't happened in a long time. And the last time was the Adam Adovino salary dump. And then before that was the Stephen Drew trade, which might be 10 years old at this point. Uh, so it's a big deal that it's these two teams that decided to link up and open the trade market for pretty much everybody else. And now the rumors have been ramping up a little bit more. But yeah, I think that uh, the Soto deal, obviously very still much on the table. And Verdugo is sort of the other side of the outfield that the Yankees wanted to quickly address and just get filled in. Yeah, to me, actually, the Yankees part of the equation might be the third most interesting part for me. Uh, behind what it means for Verdugo and what it means for Boston. Like, I, it will help, okay? They talked about needing left-handed hitting, particularly in that park. He's not a guy that's going to hit you 25 homers. In fact, I think he's maxed out at 13, and he's a guy that plays on a pretty regular basis. Obviously, there's going to be another part of the equation that whenever they do trade for Soto, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I certainly think it's going to happen over the next, I don't know if it's 48, 72 hours, however long it takes to get this thing done. Can he be an everyday center fielder for them? Or are they going to switch him and judge in center field? Like, what are we, how are we going to do that? I don't, I don't think he's an everyday center fielder, but maybe. I think the answer is that Judge is the everyday center fielder. I mean, Oof. Verdugo didn't profile well even in left field at Fenway, which Fenway does have a, a kind of a curious left field position. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, but Yankees, you know, they, 
you can't put Verdugo in center field. He's never really been a primary center right. fielder. He has been in the past five years, and that's not what you're trying to acquire. I know there are plenty of defensive outfielders on the market that the Yankees can go sign, including Jung-Hoo Lee, Kevin Kiermaier, Michael A. Taylor. So if they want to address that, that's the route I think they should take instead of just trying to, you know, fit a, a circle peg in a square hole. It's not really going to work that way. And judges demonstrate that he can play center field at an elite caliber. It's just kind of protecting the guy they're paying so much money to year in and year out. But I think uh, if all goes according to plan these next 48 to 72 hours, it's probably going to be Verdugo and left, judge and center, Soto and right. And you hope that the amount of hitting that they do can offset maybe the defensive woes you might experience on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, really, this is a topic for another time, in my opinion, because to me, it's Alex Verdugo. Where are you as a major leaguer right now? You're 27 years old. You've been basically a league average guy. Now, obviously, he was the centerpiece of the Mookie Betts part of the equation from L.A. to Boston. And part of the reason he's not a Red Sox today, it has nothing to do with his $9 million salary. Let's let's put that off to the side because that is not part of the answer here. It's that yeah. he and Alex Cora couldn't get along. I mean, several times last year, Cora came out and blasted him. Now, if he continues to do this sort of stuff in New York, how's that going to roll? Like he, I think he had, this is a time where he needs to step back and he's a fun kid. I've had him on the Rose rotation. He's a big personality. We've seen him mic'd up on like Sunday night baseball and everybody's like, Doogie's awesome. But there's obviously something that there is a disconnect between the organization and Alex Verdugo in LA. It was because he was so young and he was immature and you heard that about him. And then when he gets to Boston, there's times where he played great. There were times he was the offensive MVP over the last four or five years. And there were times where you you wanted to hide him in the lineup. And then there were times where he'd show up late and he'd get benched. And, dude, that just, that's not – you're in your late 20s. You're not 22. you got to right. clean it up. He needs to clean it up for his own sake because at this time next year, he's going to be a free agent. Yeah. And I think that can take us to the Boston side of the trade as well, because it was yeah. always going to kind of be a severance that a lot of people expected. Verdugo, as uh, Jimmy pointed out on the Talking Baseball episode we did today, had really good numbers at the beginning of September before the benching and that whole fiasco with Cora and uh, addressing you know the clubhouse, uh, how it's changed uh, with Verdugo. So I think before that, things were okay. But yeah, it was a severance that needed to happen. I just find it interesting because so many teams can use a league average bat with a good arm that can play a corner outfield position. I could probably name you 10 teams off the top Mm -hmm. of my head, including my own New York Mets. So I'm very surprised that the New York Yankees ended up being the victorious suitor in this because, you know, if I'm the Red Sox, if I'm not getting much to begin with in this deal, I would likely take a lesser deal just to send them somewhere else. That's not my biggest rival in my franchise's history. So the fact that it ended up being the Yankees and Red Sox that came together to, to pair it up, um, really, really surprised me and made the deal that much more intriguing in my eyes. But Verdugo, he's not going to be this this needle mover lineup answer that I think the Yankees are expecting, not necessarily expecting him to be, because this is a domino effect to another move. But it definitely fills a hole that they needed to fill, and I think it's it's a big win for them. All right. Uh, so the other side of this is Boston. Uh, it does open up a little bit of payroll, right? Close to ten million dollars, uh, where the, they're going to save on Verdugo. They'll pay whatever these three guys add up to, if any of them stick at the major league level. But how important is it for Boston to make upgrades after another porous season? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of in 
flux right now. I don't really know what what the uh, the plan is for the Boston Red Sox. I, they don't seem like they're major players in on any of the massive free agents. At least they were at the offset, and now things have kind of waned since then. So they're kind of in a transitory state. I know they 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 brought on Craig Breslow, and he's he's made strides so far. It's yet to be seen what he really does at the end of this off season. But you know, if they just got a new GM, they're they're letting go of old time franchise faces. So, you know, old time being the last five years or so. And for Boston fans, it's kind of just waiting to see what happens next because the AL East isn't going to get any weaker. The Toronto Blue Jays have been major players. The Orioles made a move, which we'll talk about, and they just won 101 games. And the Yankees are trying to reclaim their Death Star days. So for the Red Sox, is it the right time to strike? I don't know. Maybe it's the right time to wait for guys like Marcelo Mayer and other top prospects to rise through the ranks and then maybe pounce on maybe 2025. And we'll see what comes to fruition there. But for them... Yeah, it seems like kind of a straightforward payroll saving move and maybe one of the three arms you get clicks. And if not, you're not that much worse for it. Yeah, let's keep selling next year to Red Sox fans because that'll go over great like a fucking fart in a spacesuit. Uh, it's just <laughs> not going to work out. I mean, that is that is not it at all. Um, yeah. 78 wins, which is not terrible for a last place team, but it's still last place, which is where they have resided in three of the last four seasons. So... If you were to go poll 100 Red Sox fans right now and say, what is your happiness level with the team? Is anybody like if you're grading it on a, on a letter scale, like you like we got graded in high school, there's going to be a lot more F's than there will be A's. And I would oh, say yeah. mo- I would say most of it would grade it out as a D right now yeah. because they don't know where their pitching staff is after a miserable campaign in 2023. Heck, they don't even know it after the Verdugo deal about their full outfield at this point. Right. Duran's coming off of, I think, surgery. Massa was great last year, but we don't know. And so, yeah, they need to they need to do something, I think, just for the emotional support of the fan base, even if you know that it might not be your year in 2024. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that not too long ago was on the cusp of a World Series berth in 2021. That was kind of a a surprise fun ride for that team. But nonetheless, it's not that far in the rearview mirror. And a lot of those pieces were still here last year. But it's time for change very clearly from how things went last season. And if they're not going to be in the market for these major free agents, then this isn't the offseason for them to try and build a successful roster because this free agent market is extremely top heavy. If you're not in play for one of these marquee guys like Yamamoto, like Otani, like one of these major starting pitchers, then there's not many moves you can make that can really turn around your season from last year. So for them, they're in this weird, ambiguous middle state where they can't do much and maybe they'll continue to sell. But how much are you going to get for the pieces that you have? My opinion is not that much. So there's their hands are kind of tied. Well, while Boston tries to fill its free agent belly, uh, I got a good way for you to fill your belly. It is Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. It can help you out at any meal of the day. So breakfast, lunch, dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door, and they'll be ready to go in two minutes. What does that mean? We're approaching the holidays. So you got to work. You got to take care of your family. You got to run to the store. You got to prepare for all those parties you're going to be having, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or whatever. And you're like, my God, I don't have time to take care of my family. Oh, yes, you do. Thanks to Factor, okay? Because they have 35 plus weekly flavor packed 
fresh, never frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preference. So whatever you're looking for, if you just want the good old stuff that'll make your belly feel full and good, if you're looking for calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, whatever sort of wholesome option they have got it there. And once again, Factor isn't just for dinner anymore. You can count on extra convenience at any time of day, an assortment of more than 50 add-ons. So you choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, there's shakes, there's smoothies, there's oh so much more. For me, my problem time is in the middle of the day. Like, I'm good with breakfast, I'm good with dinner, but the middle of the day... Like I open that fridge, I'm like, Jesus, what the hell am I going to eat today? Then I see my boys from Factors filling it up. I'm like, yeah, hooking me up again. So head on over to factormeals.com slash today50. You use that code today50. What does that mean? You get 50% off. Code is today50, factormeals.com slash today50. You're going to get half off and you're going to feed that belly. We continue on with the Baltimore Orioles. About to spend a little guaranteed money? Bite your tongue. We don't have the official notes, but uh, Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, reports that Craig Kimbrell is heading out to Baltimore. This would be his fifth team since 2021. How much sense does this make for the 100-win club? It makes a ton of sense, in my opinion, and I think it's a sigh of relief for Baltimore fans everywhere that won 101 games last year, were the best team in the American League in the regular season, and then proceeded to be not linked to pretty much anybody during this early onset free agency. So it's a, a sigh of relief in that vein that this front office is willing to spend, even if it is a, a one-year deal for a reliever, maybe one year with an option. We don't know the full details yet, uh, because this team had the lowest guaranteed payroll of any team in baseball. For next season, they were only guaranteed $30 million on their 2024 payroll. The Oakland A's, who are actively trying to lose and do not care about the product on the field, still are paying $38 million out to their players next year. So that gives you a sign of where this front office is at and how they're trying to be way too crafty and how they can put money into this team to be even better than they were last year. And Craig Kimbrell is a great piece because we don't really know when Felix Bautista will be back. And he was so sensational at the back of the bullpen for them. Whether Kimbrell is the closer or the setup man, it's great to have a guy like him at the back of your bullpen. He's coming off a really good season for the Phillies, even though it didn't end the way maybe people wanted to with that NLCS blow up. I love the signing for them. I can totally picture him in an Orioles uniform, and I think it's going to be a nice, decent pickup that maybe people will forget about once we get more big moves, but could prove to be a nice move for them next season. Yeah, once again, we're waiting on the terms, but the nice thing is, is that he's going to jump over Chris Davis and be the highest paid Baltimore Oriole next season. I mean, James McCann will make more money, uh, but McCann is still having three quarters of his tab picked up by your New York Mets in that trade. So that is a sorry, just, but we're a fact reporter here at, uh, at baseball today, Jolly. Um, Uh Yeah. It's a nice move. So Kimbrell at this point of his career, and he's going to be 36 next year is a guy that you can still put at the back of the bullpen uh, that can lead a bunch of young guys. If he needs to, uh, the question is, In there's been times over the last few years where you've expected Craig Kimbrell to pitch the ninth inning, and it hasn't always worked out. Like, even late last season in Philly, remember, he yeah. kind of hit that bumpy road late in the year, and Rob Thompson wouldn't commit to him. They eventually went back to him in the playoffs and everything else, but – and he struggled when he hasn't been in the ninth inning. There's been times where teams have put him elsewhere, and it's just been a shit show. So uh, I think last year worked out a little bit better, but there have been times in recent years where he, he's pitched something other than the ninth and it hasn't been the prettiest. 
So I, I he's going to go in as the closer. Uh, it just means that they're not going to chase after Josh Hader, which I think most Orioles fans were hoping for. Like if they were going to land somebody big, it was going to be a starting pitcher and maybe the best closer on the market. I don't think that happens now, but it's a nice move, right? Cano had an all-star first half, had a little bit of a roller coaster in the second half, but still was was very, very good for them. Barker had a nice year, struggled at times once again in the second half, but was part of a bullpen that just kind of grew up together in front of our eyes. And when you don't have Felix Bautista, I think having a guy who's at 400-plus saves is a nice little consolation prize. Definitely. And I mean, Kimbrell's also a guy they can depend on even at this later stage in his career, because all in with postseason games too, he pitched 79 games mm-hmm. last year, which is the most he's pitched since 2011, which is when he won rookie of the year with the Atlanta Braves. So at worst, you're getting a one inning guy that you can depend on for a full 162. And I'm actually in the boat that I think Yenier Cano has fully earned this closer job. I think he did a really good job stepping up when Bautista went down and kept that really good bullpen afloat and gave them someone to depend on in the ninth inning. And Kimbrell does doesn't really seem like the guy that is going to sign only somewhere where he can be the closer. He's passed up the role in previous seasons as well. Like you mentioned with the Phillies last year, Dodgers, he did have the most save opportunities, but with the Cubs, that role was getting passed around when he wasn't having his best years. And we weren't even sure if Kimbrell was going to have much more uh, playing time at the major league level because of how much he was struggling. Uh, so Kimbrell, I think he's just happy to be a part of a winning culture, happy to be on a good team that's looking to continue and open up this championship caliber window. And for them, if he does need to step into that closer role, that's a great option B to have, in my opinion. It's good to give yourself that kind of option. And now for the Orioles, the next step is let's go get a starter. Let's go go, put somebody at the front of this rotation in front of Bradish and Wells and Grayson Rodriguez. You have this formidable three of young guys. Go get a proven veteran. Go continue to spend money. Go give somebody who's going to take the game one ball that you can depend on, maybe like like Eduardo Rodriguez. I'd love to see them in that tier of starting pitchers because they have the money to spend. They can do it and they should be doing it to supplement what is a really, really talented young team. Yeah. The big question with them is ownership. It's not the guy putting the team together because I think he wants to go a certain way and it's just whether or not the boss wants to sign checks at the end of the day. If it is Rodriguez, let's remember, spin it all the way back. I believe he was originally a Baltimore Oriole and part of the trade. Was he not? Wasn't he? I no, no, no. Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo, I, Eduardo Rodriguez was originally a Baltimore Oriole who was traded. Was Miller. Andrew Miller, right? Yeah. And then yeah. Rodriguez went to the Red Sox and was very, very good for them for, I think, six to seven years. Yeah, pretty solid. That'd be interesting. All right, we've made it this far without mentioning Shohei Otani's name, but here it is, still a free agent. Now, let's remember, before the winter meetings, Jeff Pass and our buddy, I think he, where's he work? ESP. And I believe that's where he works. He came out with a very interesting column that said that along the Shohei journey, um, that if uh, any word gets out of possible meetings, then he's going to cross those teams off the list. Well, Dave Roberts of the L.A. Dodgers was meeting the media on Tuesday. And guess what? He said this. Yeah, we met with him. You know, I don't want to. I'd like to be honest, and so uh, we, we we met with Shohei, and uh, we talked, and um, I think it went well. I think it went well, but at the end of the day, uh, he's his own man, and he's going to do what's best uh, for himself, uh, where he feels most comfortable. Okay, so are you? did you hear that and go, Dave Roberts, don't be a knucklehead, or do you stand up and applaud him for being his own man? 
I do neither. This is I I'm so confused how this has become news. I understand that Otani set the parameters for what he's demanding out of his free agency, but we all know the three teams that are in on him. We don't have to play dumb. I know we're trying to play by his rules and appease him as much as possible, but it's ridiculous that Dave Roberts can't say that he met with the dude and that he thought it went well and that it became a storyline out of this. I know that somebody else reported afterward that he, he looked a little bit sheepish after the GM went and talked to him, but that's not really the vibe that I got being at the presser. It still looked like he was decently comfortable with what he said because, yeah, I I think me and you also fully believe that the Dodgers are going to end up with Otani at the end of things. So, yeah, if we can mention that, you know, we talked and we met up, you know, earlier this week, I think that's perfectly fine. And I think it was kind of uh, it got magnified because nothing else was happening. And I think that's the, the most I can say about this story. Well, yeah, here's the deal is that we've never known what is important to Shohei Otani. Like we don't know where the hundreds of millions of dollars ranks in his pecking order. We don't know where winning games. We don't know where location. We've talked about that ad nauseum. And so we also don't know when somebody opens their mouth, how important that is to him. Does it show a lack of trust for him? Like for you and me, right, we could sit here and say, well, it's no big deal. Well, it doesn't matter what it is to us because we aren't the ones that somebody's about to pay $500 million to. So he is setting up the parameters. Do some of them seem ridiculous? Should we know the name of his dog? Absolutely we should. Like, yes, the stuff seems crazy and it seems petty and it seems nitpicky, but it's his world. It is his world. Now, I will say this, that if that sort of shit bothers him a lot, meaning we can't know the name of his dog, meaning I don't want you to talk about any possible meetings that we've had, then I would be a little worried here. You're not going to find a bigger Shohei fan than me, other than maybe Ben Verlander, okay? Like, I, I get that. But this is going to be the first time in his career where he is the centerpiece of a team that's going to be fighting for something. He could hide in Anaheim. Even though he was the most popular player in the sport, like, everybody was like, he could take a shit on the middle of the field and everybody would be like, did you see what Shohei just did today? That was unbelievable. Like, we knew he wasn't the problem in Anaheim. But now he's going to sign for $500 plus million. He's going to be expected to be the dude every day. If you if this team doesn't win the World Series, you're going to be a big reason why it's not going to happen. And now he's not going to come over and be the number one prize where everybody's going to be like, oh, it's Shohei. People are going to start firing these critical little articles about it. I know how this works. I'm just telling you. So if this is part of the narrative out of the gate, I think you just want to kind of take a big step back and make sure that that's the image you want to portray. Yeah, and then, I mean, it, it led to the Bob Nightingale, Jed Hoyer confrontation, which was also kind of nothing. You know, he reported that optimism had waned, and then Hoyer uh, I wanted to counteract that, and then the report got refuted, and then uh, John Schneider had a big presser, and people were asking him why he looked tan, and then he said he was in Florida, and then that led to the Otani report. It's 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 exhausting. It is, it is. so exhausting to read all these minute details that will not matter by next week and i it, part of it is me being a little bit jaded because it's very obvious otani's market has held up the rest of the market and made the winter meetings much slower than they usually are but also part of it is just the fact that none of this matters at all and wherever he does end up he knows it's going to be one of these three teams just as we all know can i can i raise my hand on this one for a second with what you just said that his sure. market is holding up everything else what did you say earlier? How many teams are involved in him? Three. Okay. How many other teams are there in Major League Baseball? 
27. Quick math. Okay. So the fuck? Go do something. <laughs> I, I'm I'm mad about this. I really players. am. I'm mad about this. This is this is baseball's showcase event. Baseball's showcase yeah. off-season event. It's the one time. It shouldn't just be about seeing old buddies and hobnobbing in the bar. I've been to too many of these things. I know that's what it is. Go get us some deals done because you know what? Baseball, I, I'm serious here because it's some bullshit. The NFL free agency and the NBA free agency is done within 72 hours. It's yeah. done. Now, very rarely in the NFL do you ever get like a quarterback that's available, like somebody of Shohei's. That doesn't happen. In the NBA, it does start, but they move. They are in and out. And it, and you know what it does? It excites fan bases when this sort of stuff happens in the middle of July, when they're not going to be playing for months. All they do is start talking for at least a little bit of time about NBA and what sort of moves do we have to make to counter Kevin Durant doing this and Kyrie Irving doing that. Like, there's buzz. Here we just sit on our hands. I've had enough of this. I, I don't know exactly how to fix it. I hate being the guy that complains without an idea, but I really think that part of the idea should be shutting baseball offices down. Everybody gets a two-week break around the holiday. You cannot do any business. Can't be done. Freeze it. Freeze it. If you say, oh, well, that's not fair. The hell it's not. You know what it would do? It would force the players to start maybe taking some deals, and it would force teams to start filling up their rosters. Enough of this. The whole You're trying to sell a product. You are selling a product. Sell it. Stop killing it. Let I mean, us have some enjoyment and some enthusiasm right now. Please. Think back to what the most exciting offseason was in terms of player moves happening in quick succession. It had to do with a lockout because the lockout froze teams from making moves. So everyone either made moves right before it or made mm -hmm. moves right after it. And the flight over to spring training when the lockout ended that we did um, was so much fun because everything was happening in quick succession that day. We got so many different moves. And of course, you know, you can make the argument that when things are spaced out, it makes the offseason maybe a little bit more eventful from really? on a week to week basis. But like, and I would have much rather had eight moves happen yesterday and be able to cover it all because we were so willing to grind and work because we wanted all that action, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry. With all due respect, Kirby Yates on a one year deal is not going to fill my baseball appetite. You know, I mean, we need some teams to start doing stuff. We really do. And I think it's something they have to look at. They have to. But, of course, they won't. They don't ever think that way. And then the players union will get involved and say, well, that's not fair. But you know what? Think about the greater good of the sport and what you're doing to help appease your fan base. Chip, we just put in a pitch clock. What was that for? Was that to make the players feel better? No, because we don't know what sort of health risk we're putting them at. Was it to help Major League Baseball? Yeah, it was to help line their pockets, but it was to make the enjoyable the experience more enjoyable for fans. So if we're trying to do that, God forbid you actually try and do that for the paying customer, let's think about this a little bit. Really, like, I think we have to think big picture. It pisses me off, man. And I'm not just saying that because I'm somebody who wants to report these things. Go ask a ton of baseball fans. They're like, yeah, these snore, snore, snore fest. All right, very quickly, That's right. very, very quickly on this. Marco Gonzalez merely had a layover in Atlanta. Days after being shipped from Seattle, he's now on his way to Pittsburgh. Braves are going to pick up part of his salary for next year. How pissed off would you be if you were Marco Gonzalez? I mean, well, first off, Braves, great job moving in the shadows again. You basically got Jared Kelnick for, what, 
$10 million and you have until 2029. Good job. Marco Gonzalez. Uh, I'd be a little pissed because, you know, I was in the same space for what, six to seven years in Seattle, nice and cozy. Now I get traded twice in the span of three days. That's very annoying, but good for the Pittsburgh Pirates because they get a guy who has traditionally been a workhorse, uh, maybe not so much last year, but 2018 to 2022, 26 starts a year for ERA. That's exactly what that rotation needs, a little mm-hmm. bit of stability. Go do more. They probably won't, but this is something nice that I guess their fans can chew on a little bit. But yeah, just funny how the Braves do business. It's just interesting in your mindset. You, Marco Gonzalez, who is a... He's a West Coast guy. I want to say he grew up in Colorado, and then he went to Gonzaga, um, and now he's pitched up there in Seattle. And all of a sudden, he gets bounced to Atlanta, where you're like, okay, well, I uproot my family the whole bit, but at least I'm going to a team that can compete for the World Series. Hey, Marco, don't unpack your bags. You're going to Pittsburgh. It'll be listen. <laughs> it's good for that organization. I'm happy for my guy Shelty. Uh, it gives him another arm to deal with, but. Marco Gonzalez, I imagine if you were to lock him up to the uh, lie detector today, he's probably like, anyway. All right, uh, one minute left. Give me, uh, you have a great story from your three days here at the winter meetings, four days, I suppose. Uh, Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal being absolutely incredibly sweet to us and very kind and willing to be kind. You know, we we had a little bit of a sneaking fear that maybe without Jimmy and Jake and Trev that people wouldn't want to give us the time of the day. And that has not been the case at all. People have been extremely friendly when we come up with fun questions and get them in quick hits. Everyone is super enthusiastic to be a part of it. We haven't really met a sourpuss at all, which has been really, really nice. So just shouting out those big time reporters who didn't really need to give us any breath and decided to just because they wanted to be friendly and want to do some content. I thought that was very, very sweet. Oh, that's nice. I was hoping you were going to rip on somebody, you know, oh, wait. so there you go. Oh, okay. Um, What's that from? Who's we that from? Dan? To, we got to round out the show with big time rumors that have been happening basically during the entirety of this. Uh, we now know uh, the Padres return on the Juan Soto trade is expected to include Michael King, Drew Thorpe, and at least two additional players. That's about to come together probably once this show ends. And then the Yamamoto market has heated up a little bit with Steve Cohen flying to japan to go meet up yes. with them so once again if uh, what time's your flight uh my flight tonight we're probably gonna leave here in about five hours i'll say that oh okay good so if anything breaks i'll we'll be, be all over it we'll be all over it. we'll hop back on these machines and get it going all right uh good job i'm happy you got you and bbd got to experience this uh i know bbd's been there before but for you um way, way to pop your uh winter meetings cherry good job brother uh, we are going to be back at it. Whenever big news happens, we'll be all over it because that's what we do. So for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and our producer on site, BBD, Jolly Olive, you kicked ass as you always do. Maybe Ploof will come back. Maybe he won't. I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's too big a celebrity. <laughs> I am Chris Rose. We will see you next time here on Baseball Today.